Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I wanted to raise, I, I stand to be corrected on this. Now, if it is not provided for in the Constitution or this. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC or the standing orders, then we ought to make amendments where constituents can recall their MPs. So, for instance, if an MP is misbehaving, if an MP is not representing his or her people well, maybe a half or a quarter of the people should sign a petition saying, we don't want X or Y MP. And, and that should trigger a process. You know, Prof, I just have a few seconds. Um, you have a judgment that has become very relevant. How do we enforce it in the instant case or cases? But the clerk should enforce the law, otherwise he's in contempt of court. This country is becoming too much about rule of interest rather than rule of law. Mm-hmm. Look, last year or so, the Fomina MP was dismissed from parliament, even though the law did not allow that to happen. We have people like Adamu Sankedi and even now uh, Kwesin being handed out of parliament. And yet, when it comes to being absent from parliament, People start saying, well, let's be gracious and let's be empathetic. And either we are going to be a nation of law or we are not. And I think in this case, yes, what should happen? The clerk on Monday should write to the Electoral Commission that any MP, not just Adwoa, any MP who has been absent for 15 or more days has vacated the seat and the seat has been vacant and by elections should be held. MPs meet only about 130 days a year. That's all they do. And those 130 days are divided into three meetings. So each meeting has about 40 days. And if you are going to be absent for about 20 days out of that 40 meeting days, that is half. If you are absent for 40 days, that means the whole meeting, you blew it. 
you, you were not there. You abandoned your post. You were AWOL. And we have people here arguing what should happen, what should not happen. <laughs> the Constitution tells us what should happen. Yeah. And so all this debate, it's not really interesting. We know what should happen. We just should do it. Okay, Prof, thank you very much. And uh, let me read the final one. It says, uh, is she getting paid? Definitely she's getting paid. She's definitely getting paid by, by Parliament. Uh, I don't know whether... Uh, oh yeah, you, you, you're finally, absolutely, you're, finally, you're absolutely right. She's getting paid yes, by us. Yes. yes, I mean, while she's and not and the others as well. And then and says that would be terrible. Wasting taxpayers' money. Our constitution is a toothless bulldog. Why have a constitution if it doesn't work? Manipulated by the people, as and when they they like. And uh, some pretty strong words there. Thank you very much for connecting. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. your day is going isn't it comforting to know that there's a place where you can relax and kick off your stress the cosmopolitan mix on joy fm with dory nando has it all education inspiration entertainment celebrity interviews best variety of local favorites good morning All on your favorite brunch time mix. Weekdays, 10 a.m. till noon. Joy 99.7 FM on your dial, online, and on all our social media handles. Hashtag Cosmopolitan Mix. You can also catch up with the Cosmopolitan Mix and all our shows via podcast. Just go to myjoyonline.com, podcast, and search for your favorite show and relive all those moments. Joy 99.7 FM, radio for discerning listeners. Cosmopolitan Mix is powered by Joy Entertainment. We're large and in charge. Tune in and find your joy. How long have you had to dance in the rain? How many lemonades have you made out of those lemons thrown at you? Whatever you have been through in life, one thing still remains. Change! Join me, Rosie Feli, on Changes every Wednesday and Friday as we impact life and change the society. What changes every Wednesday and Friday only on Joy Prime? Joy Prime, the ultimate experience. I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. The Ghana Premier League veers into its defining second round this weekend and the stakes couldn't be any higher. 
Asante Kotakora flying across Hartsville, hope to catch them. But Chim United and Great Olympics want to give themselves a chance. It's a free kick right now. Go to have a commercial Asante Kotakora. Can they score from here though? Patrick Asma. The noise is loud. Can this be the opportunity for Kumasi Asante Kotakora? If it scores, it will be interesting. Asma hits the long and he's going above the post, surely. And it wasn't good enough for the advertisement before, was it? Should be the final action. Referee, Russell, calls for the end of the game. The first installment of the Supercross ends with no goals. But we've seen some very, very good performances, that's to be said. Asante Kotoko starts at the Barbera Sports Stadium with Dreams FC. Hearts of Oak face regional rivals Legon Cities. We preview all games to come and touch on key issues ahead of the next 17 games to decide the winner this year. Also coming up. Now whips it in. Galini tries to get there, but Chelsea have scored. Antonio Rudiger is the player in. He scored against Spurs here earlier in the season. Just cut inside his man. It's opening up for Jota. Oh, he's gone in. It was almost hit in slow motion. It wrong footed Ramsdale. And Liverpool have taken the lead in the semi final. First player to slip tonight. Early ball. Flag has stayed down. Jota could be in. He's in and he scored. The goal has now been given 2-0 and that should be the end of it unless Arsenal can find something from nowhere. The Carabao Cup final between Chelsea and Liverpool headlines the weekend in England. Thomas Tuchel and his men are hoping to add another trophy to their collection and Liverpool seek their first silverware of the season. We preview the English Premier League games to come with focus on the developing title race and top four battles. We're in France, Germany, Italy and Spain to preview games as well. We'll assess the impact of the Russia-Ukraine war on sports after key announcements by sports governing bodies today. If you'd like to send us a message, we'd like to read them via social media accounts. Choi slash 997 on Facebook, 0551-111-997 on WhatsApp, or you can tweet at us at JoySportsGH. We'll be in Mexico to preview the Mexican Open with big names set to clash in the finals and in Dubai for updates from the ongoing tennis championships. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of Sports. Hello from me, George Adi Jr., and welcome. Live on radio, live online, this is the locker room with George Addo Jr. So thanks for staying with us tonight on the locker room. And you know, you can always send us your messages on our WhatsApp line 551 111 or indeed you can tweet at us at George Sports GH. And there is only one place to start tonight as political issues spill over into the sporting arena. Russia is ramping up its invasion of Ukraine now in its second day. There's been an official call from the government for Ukrainians to arm themselves with guns and also Molotov cocktails. Ukraine says its forces are battling Russian troops on the edge of the capital, Kiev, and there have been reports of gunfire near the government district. Across Ukraine, the sounds of war, the dead are already being counted. The living are speaking to the world. It is already Friday in Ukraine, and already we are hearing reports of explosions being heard in the capital amid reports of fierce fighting and troops pushing into the country on three fronts the casualties are mounting we know the 2022 champions league final will be played in paris after russia was stripped of the match following the nation's invasion of ukraine uh, the final of europe's most prestigious club competition was due to be played in saint petersburg on the 28th of may uefa said the match would not be held at the gazprom arena and will move to the Stade de france in paris instead meanwhile russia's formula one grand prix as well due to take place in sochi in september has been cancelled so what more should we expect going 
forward and how pragmatic are these sporting sanctions on Russia? My colleague Gary Al Smith has been speaking to AP Global Sports correspondent Rob Harris. He first asked him what it meant to receive such news when working with such a big platform. Well, obviously, at the forefront is the concern about Ukraine, the people of Ukraine, the state of the invasion and the actions of, in this case, obviously, Russia, which is at the forefront of attention. But sport does become a significant factor because events like hosting the Champions League final in Russia are a great moment of prestige for the nation of Russia. We saw with the World Cup in 2018 how that was used by Russia as a chance to present a very different image of itself to the world. And yet that was just four years after Russia had annexed Crimea, had also launched operations backing separatists in the east of Ukraine, as well as other nefarious activities. So therefore, there was already reason to doubt Russia and its actions on the world stage. And yet sport still embraced Russia. Now this week the consequence of a fuller invasion of ukraine has really brought those sharp repercussions from the world of sport by taking punitive actions like taking the champions league final off st petersburg like already cancelling the russian grand prix that was not due to be in sochi until september why would you say that the reaction has been different this time why were they embraced even after what happened in 2014 and why is the world let's say angrier this time yeah sport always finds it very difficult how does it necessarily distance itself from a country where does it draw the morality red lines what is enough to get an event taken away from a country and we hear over the years so often whether it's through domestic difficulties logistical problems questions raised over whether a country could continue hosting an event yet There's always been this sort of thorny issue. We saw it with the Beijing Winter Olympics recently about boycotts and the question of do not go to a country. And it seems we've encountered this week that actually one country attacking another unprovoked, as the West and Ukraine certainly states is the case, is a uh, an area that draws condemnation. And the fact is, even the International Olympic Committee has condemned Russia probably even in you know stronger terms than we're used to hearing them in terms of how they address another nation. But they've condemned Russia for breaching the Olympic truce. Uh, the International Paralympic Committee has. UEFA has condemned Russia. And not with just some vague statement, but actually a stronger statement and one very determinedly aligning themselves with the people of Ukraine. Uh, And also we've seen sponsorships being dropped as well. Manchester United dropping Aeroflot as a sponsor, although that only came about actually after Aeroflot, the airline, was put on the sanctions list by Britain. Schalke in Germany taking Gazprom off their shirts but maintaining them still at this point as a sponsor. They're the the Russian state-owned energy giants and they still do sponsor the Champions League, although that situation may well change before the next set of matches in a couple of weeks. Interesting. So in the general scheme of things, how isolated will Russia be, do you think, in the global arena of sports? How isolated will they be? Russia seemingly looks more isolated at this moment than when they actually corrupted sport itself. The state-sponsored doping scheme around the 2014 Sochi Olympics, other sporting events too, including football, where athletes were part of this sort of state-backed cheating scheme. Yes, Russia 
was banned from competing at the Olympics as Russia by name. Yes, if they do qualify for the World Cup this year, and of course they're not thrown out for any reason linked to their Ukraine aggression, then they can't actually be called Russia under the World Anti-Doping Agency sanctions. But the tone has been much stronger that we've sensed from the governing bodies with the condemnation and it creates difficulties for the likes of the FIFA president Gianni Infantino who very closely aligned himself with Vladimir Putin despite the actions against Ukraine in 2014 the poisoning of a spy a Russian former Russian spy in Britain in 2018 and he accepted the order of friendship medal from Vladimir Putin after the World Cup yet there is no sense that Russia actually changed as a nation after the World Cup, however much FIFA tried to say this was a new Russia. Certainly what we've seen in the last week is these were long-held grievances that Vladimir Putin held towards Ukraine in 2014. The annexation of Crimea, the intervention in the East was merely just the start of it and the prelude to this fuller invasion and for all the sporting events that are handed to Russia and talk of like being transformative, what well, we have seen that is certainly not the case uh, in terms of the uh, effects of, of bringing the sports world to Russia. They've acted in this hostile, aggressive way, launching a quite unprecedented in this 21st century attack on a uh, neighbor. Yeah. So Vladimir Putin, who you've mentioned, used a lot of sports more or less to cement his legacy in Russia, like you said, with the 2018 Winter Games and also the World Cup. Can the same medium be used against him effectively? All these people pulling out of sponsorships and hosting of Sochi, would it or can it force him to consider? We've already seen reports on the BBC that he's agreed to speak to the Ukrainian authorities. Well, this is what we've seen from Gianni Infantino talking about still yesterday about sport being able to bring people together and perhaps there's idealism and naivety and hope really the fact that football and sport more broadly can play a bigger part in reconciliation and bringing people together undoubtedly it has in some countries but uh, you know sometimes as we've seen with Apartheid South Africa, that punitive sporting action is needed to bear pressure on a uh, nation and to actually ostracize a nation completely from the sporting arena to cast them into, you know, pariah status. And at the moment, that is obviously what sports bodies are grappling with about even Russian teams competing. Russia is still to play a uh, World Cup qualifying playoff semi-final in March against Poland. Poland do not want to play that in Moscow. FIFA yeah. yet to say what should happen to that game. But UEFA have taken the decision today that no Ukrainian or Russian teams will be able to play on home soil for the foreseeable future. In that is an interesting point because, yes, you've said that they shouldn't play on home soil, they should go on neutral territory. But it's really not the same as kicking them out, is it? And so, like you say, ostracizing them can be the ultimate punitive measure because then you are toying with you know ordinary russian folk will not be interested in these geopolitical things that are going on but when you kick their team out of the world cup i mean there are a lot of people who are going to be angry shouldn't uefa and fifa for example not be dodging and allowing them to play on neutral ground and saying nope we don't like what you are doing there you go red card 
And is that something that could lead to protests against the state? Obviously, a World Cup might seem inconsequential when we're witnessing deaths and shelling in Ukraine. But there were some protests in Russia. If they were denied the chance to go to the World Cup, if they were kicked out, would that would that lead to some further protests, a strand of protests against Putin and the state? Or would it be framed merely as an action by sports bodies controlled by the West, as they might see it, who are targeting unfairly Russia, Russian people and normal sports men and women? And uh, the athletes themselves would suffer. The, you know, the more pressing tournament in football terms is the uh, European Championship, the Women's Euros in England in July, which Russia qualified for in terms of the larger scale tournament. Obviously, those qualifiers in uh, March for the men's tournament too. Uh, basketball teams are not going to Russia this weekend. Eurobasket, Barcelona were due to be playing there. And, you know, th there is a role for sports when there has been such a close association to actually, you know, recognise and acknowledge that it has played a part in perhaps in, in emboldening the, uh, the Russian state. And notably today, with the Champions League final being taken off Russia, with the Formula One being removed from Russia as well, the British government, the Culture Secretary, has put a statement out each time today reflecting on how these are significantly important decisions to take because of the prestige that are attached to hosting these events. Yeah. Yeah. So then the obvious question that we should ask is for ordinary Russian people. We saw at the last time I checked, 44 different Russian cities having demonstrations and of course the state apparatus, you know, clamping down on them. And to what extent really can they go? We know that, for example, in the West, these things are taken seriously, but no, Russia is a different kettle of fish. To what extent in your in your experience, can the people of Russia bring to bear pressure themselves on their leader when, when other states cannot? Well, this is the wider questions over <laughs> Russian democracy, the acceptance of opposition, the freedom of opposition, the freedom of elections, and there will be concerns about protests being clamped down on, certainly, in Russia and about the extent of which uh, people are able to, to protest. Uh, Vladimir Putin, obviously now over two decades in power, either as president or prime minister. And you know, the sense is he's appealed with his speech this week to a sense of greater Russia, to tap into Soviet-era nostalgia in terms of just where Russian territory should lie. And that's the reason why he's taken this action to, to regain control of parts of Ukraine, which he dismissed as being a real state. So he's certainly trying to appeal to that nationalistic element that uh, you know, idealizes a, a greater Russia. So you know, th that is obviously the broader diplomatic consideration set against what might seem to be the loss of things like sporting events or sponsorships from Russian state companies. The fact there are far bigger objectives that Vladimir Putin is trying to achieve and deliver on. In Ghana, the, you know, when it comes to such issues, people wonder, how does it affect us? And it doesn't affect people in so many ways as it does when it comes to football and the teams they support. Chelsea is one of the biggest clubs, you know, in Ghana in terms of um, a supporter base. And of course, they've heard the news that there may be a chance that certain UK MPs, you know, 
may put pressure on the system to get Roman Abramovich out through the seizure of his properties and taking him off as the owner of Chelsea Football Club. If that happens, and for example, Alicia Usmanov, who is also a shareholder in Arsenal, what is going to happen, especially to Chelsea, where Abramovich obviously has a bigger stake and a bigger hold and a bigger uh, bit of control? Yeah, well, I mean, that's obviously really a uh, significant question. I mean, you know, Roman Abramovich has always distanced himself from Vladimir Putin, trying to suggest that he's actually his own person, investments made on his own behalf, you know, despite his how his wealth was built up in Russia through the 1990s. There will be an element of concern, particularly, obviously, amongst Chelsea fans about uh, if there is any action taken against Roman Abramovich buying the British government. Boris Johnson did say in the House of Commons this week the fact that they were starting to sanction Roman Abramovich. He withdrew that statement as not being correct. Abramovich has not had a visa now for uh, a few years to be able to have a working visa in the UK. And he withdrew his application. That was amidst the wider fallout, you know, perceived from the Salisbury poisoning of the former Russian spy in southwest England. Uh, he chose to withdraw his renewal of his visa application, and instead he has actually gained Israeli citizenship. He's also sought Portuguese citizenship as well. He has been able to travel back into England in the last year. He was here in October and November. In fact, in November, I actually was with him face-to-face uh, at an event. Uh, quite surprised to even see him in the country, given the issues around his visa, around his travel. But Abramovich, for now, has not been targeted by the British state. He would distance himself from Vladimir Putin in terms of uh, he being his own uh, person. But there will be those questions just about wider investment in London, perhaps by, uh, you know, the Russian oligarchs and how the wealth was uh, built up. And we've already seen Aeroflot as a Russian state carrier that have been targeted. Uh, Other countries have targeted individuals as well. Uh, Gazprom executive who was on the board at Schalke in Germany, he was targeted in US sanctions and he quit the Schalke board. Uh, in the aftermath of that on Thursday, as well as uh, Schalke dropping their Gazprom the uh, logos from their shirts. So NFL. it just shows how the the, these decisions will be taken by the state because really sanctions are the only significant weaponry that said the West by has the BBC because there's World no any mili- military intervention by the West in Ukraine to have a direct armed confrontation with uh, nuclear Russia. Mm, nice one. Thank you very much. And... Uh, the last thing I would ask is, how far can this go? Hopefully, obviously, everybody wants peace. Everybody wants this to end. But should this keep going? We know that the Russian sports and the, sorry, the Ukrainian sports and authorities have temporarily suspended all sports, meaning that people in Ukraine cannot go out already because the um, the airspaces are closed and all that. But how far can all this go where sport is concerned? What will be the most extreme things, in your opinion? Well, in terms of the Russians' athletes, UEFA have said they've been in contact with Emmanuel Macron, not only on the Champions League final being moved to Paris, but also helping with the evacuation of footballers who are still in Ukraine who want to get out of the country. So their safety is amongst paramount importance, along with, you know, Ukrainian civilians more generally who will be fearing the Russian attacks at the moment. As for where this leads, this is 
a quite unprecedented situation in modern Europe. Um, yeah. You know, we perhaps thought the era of tank invasions was something consigned to, to the past, and this has been talked about as the gravest security crisis in Europe for decades. So it's very hard to actually, uh, obviously, foresee where this might lead and where it leads to sport. I think what will be interesting in the months, the years ahead, are Russia normalised again? Does eventually sports say that they can't ostracise Russia completely forever? And in which case, then obviously Vladimir Putin, however the action ends in Ukraine, whatever the status of Ukrainian independence is in the coming weeks, months and years, is this remembered? Or does sport actually move on? Does it embrace the wealth of Russia, the status of Russia and actually... Uh, Russia starts to be brought back into the international sporting community. Uh, let's remember, of course, the fact that diplomatically, uh, Russia was still very much uh, being ostracised. The British government didn't send ministers to the World Cup in 2018. There was that sort of boycott in that regard. And, uh, you know, the repercussions were still being felt in terms of, uh, you know, ministers not even going to Russia until recently from Britain, for instance. So we are now at a, a key juncture, really, for um, the security of Europe and, and where the continent goes. And uh, against that is is, is sport, too, as a, what might seem a sideshow. But as we've seen this week, the political leaders do get involved because they are concerned about sport not being an enabler and providing that status and prestige still for Russia as a state if it can host those events. Certainly said. And as we get to this junction, uh, we would all be here and see where the road leads in the news. Thank you very much, Rob Harris. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, yeah, Rob Harris with very, very good perspective on what we are to expect and where things are at the moment. Gary L. Smith also spoke to Ukraine sports journalist Andrew Todos in the UK at the moment, but narrated how the country is taking the situation. Because of the current happenings, how are you doing should be my first question. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing best as I can. I'm not currently in Ukraine, so probably slightly easier than friends and family that are over there and probably in a more... Even though I can worry from here, I feel that they're re- relatively calm in the situation uh, that's unfolding. But it's very fluid. You don't know what's going to happen next. Um, so it's just definitely one where you have to constantly look at your phone for news. Yeah. So based on what you are hearing from family, um, how did it all begin for them before we get into this point? Yes. Yeah, so... We're recording on Friday, on Thursday, early morning. Uh, Russia started its mass invasion of Ukraine, um, sort of like rocket attacks on airports and all this kind of stuff. And then yesterday evening and during the day, they started attacking Kiev, the capital, where a lot of my friends and family live. Um, so far, there's been a few rocket attacks and air raids on Ukraine um, and, and the Ukrainian capital. A lot of people have been going down to the metro um, to shelter in sort of the underground bunkers mm-hmm. there. And there are expected to be more assaults on the capital since then. However, the Ukrainian armed forces are doing very well so far in um, defending the capital and other areas of Ukraine from uh, the Russian aggression. Okay. So how are you in contact with the people there? Because the big story in Ghana has been that, you know, a lot of Ghanaian students are stranded and so... Are telecommunication lines open, um, internet? 
How are you communicating? I think. Yeah, well, I'm just talking on the phone, like through messenger apps. So on the whole, I think that internet, well, 4G or 5G or um, some mobile internet is working. I think in some areas, internet is in and out depending on the situation where it's whether there's a missile or something that's been hit or something like that but otherwise um that sort of connections seems to be relatively stable for the time being like everyone's getting updates out like in terms of news media all these um telegram group group chats that show brand new news and things from across the country um so far it's it's fine okay now um Looking at the various international media networks, we are seeing a lot of your country folk, you know, leaving for places like Poland on buses and stuff like that. Um, that is the reality now for people, isn't it? For the time being, yes. Uh, whilst the war is carrying on and whilst it's sort of not safe to be in the majority of Ukrainian cities, then, yeah, a lot of people are fleeing to the European Union. Uh, Poland has said that it's welcoming uh, refugees, as have another a number of other countries. So, um, yeah, we're, I think Ukraine is very grateful for for allowing that to happen. Right. Um, I spoke to our mutual Slovak colleague Lukas, who actually says Slovakia is allowing anybody to come in. You just show your Ukrainian passport, no questions asked, and you're allowed into their country as well. So. Um, that, that, that gives an idea of how welcoming some of your neighbours are. But, I mean, you are a Ukrainian football journalist, so with that background out of the way, we heard that sporting activities had been predictably suspended yesterday as well. And until further notice, how do you think this is all going to affect sports? I mean, it seems like a small bit of the bigger pie, but, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's very unpredictable to even think about how it's going to affect sport because whether this current Ukrainian Premier League season will resume, it was on a winter break and it was meant to restart this weekend. Yeah. So that's even sort of the half of the thing. So that's been suspended indefinitely. I've got my doubts whether it will ever be completed. Um, it may just be sacked off just based on the sort of military developments and all that kind of thing. Um as for sort of like, in uh, we've got a lot of Ukrainian players abroad that have fortunately been showing support for Ukraine. I'm sure everyone's seen uh, Ruslan Malinovsky at Atalanta, uh, Alexander Zinchenko at Man City. Many players are showing on social media and in real life that they are supporting um, their country back home. And obviously this morning as well, UEFA has moved the Champions League final to Paris from St. Petersburg. So that's a start, but I think many Ukrainians and in general are calling for Russia to be isolated from all sports internationally yeah. until they withdraw from Ukraine. Yeah, we've heard that. I mean, we've seen Vladimir Klitschko make a strong cl- um, case with his brother Vitaly as well. And you know the Klitschko brothers, they don't, I mean, they don't do punches. They they go straight to the point, like in their boxing career as well. Yeah. And based on that tangent, um, Andrew, it will be something, right? Because everybody's now looking at FIFA and wondering if they have the guts to tell Russia to pull out of qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I have my doubts, sadly, because of Gianni Infantino's relationship with Vladimir Putin, who during the World Cup in 2018 was 
you know, giving its praises. And it shouldn't be forgotten that Vladimir Putin had already uh, occupied Crimea and had started a war in eastern Ukraine in 2014. So, and he still was, and Infantino was still praising um, Putin in 2018. So, it's that's it sadly. Um, a lot of people have their doubts. However, there's also, I think UEFA might be the more key in this subject. They're saying that they're looking at their Gazprom uh, sponsorship, which sponsors the Champions League and potentially looking at cancelling that. If they did that, that would be a massive, massive message to Russia. Um, but for the time being, I think a lot of people are, are sadly disappointed with what we're seeing. Other than that, Champions League... Um, other than that Champions League uh, with uh, removal, shall we say. Yeah. What's the, the the Ukrainian media saying about all of this and about, you know, putting their own pressure on UEFA and FIFA as well to do something more concrete than issuing these seemingly blunt statements? Because, like you said, if you follow the money and hit people where the money is, they tend to listen more. We've seen Shaka 04 remove Gazprom off their shirts, sponsors, list, and that is a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. What is the Ukrainian media saying? So the Ukrainian Association of Football uh, has sent a letter to UEFA and FIFA calling for all uh, Russian clubs and national teams to be banned from international comp- and continental competitions, and they asked for the removal of the, of the Champions League final. So that one has already been conducted, and now everyone is calling for the ban of of Russian clubs and national teams. However, this morning, I think in the statement, UEFA said that uh, Ukrainian and Russian clubs and national teams will have to play now on neutral territory their intercontinental matches. For Ukraine, uh, they don't have any clubs left in European competition this year. However, Ukraine national team has got a World Cup playoff against uh, Scotland away which I don't know 100% if that will even happen. We will see, but that's at the end of March. And then Russia is meant to play Poland. And technically, I think the majority of Ukrainian media doesn't think well, doesn't think that that match should go ahead at all because Russia should not be competing in anything. And then you've got the Paralympics starting soon, which similarly, Russia is technically not there because it's Russian Olympic Committee, yeah. um, who should have been banned a long time ago for systemic doping um, violations but you know they still keep getting away with it so sadly I think there's a bit of um, hopelessness uh, in all of this I like the word you use because it seems from the outside looking in that Russia to put it bluntly is untouchable yeah sadly they've just got their pot they've just got their fingers in in many pockets across Europe um in European clubs as well, for example, here in the UK, uh, many people are calling on Roman Abramovich to be sanctioned even harder. Apparently, he's been banned from living in the UK, but so what? He still owns one of the biggest clubs in the world, and also Alisher Usmanov owns thirty percent of Arsenal and has big business dealings in Everton, who we also are calling on for sanctions for them. So. Time will tell, but it doesn't look like Ukraine will get as much as it's hoping for um, out of these punishments. Let's finish where we started with the people who suffer the most, the ordinary folk in Ukraine. 
be the Ukrainian nationals or those from outside the country. We saw one of the coaches um, of the Ukrainian team, that in Donetsk, who is an Italian, Deserbi, you know, saying that the Italian embassy asked him to leave Ukraine and he said he cannot leave his players at this time. That's such a brave thing to say. And also, you know, what happens now that the airspace is closed? All these foreign nationals who are in the Ukraine, it's, 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 it's going to be a difficult time for them plus the Ukrainian players and all, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they will have to leave by road. I think that's the only possibility if they're going to, uh, or, or by train, of course. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are heading west um, towards the European Union and those countries, and then they can either head home if they're foreign nationals from those other countries, or if you're Ukrainian. Some people are just staying in Kiev, for example, at the moment, or in other areas of um, Ukraine in the west. And just holding tight because some people will say, this is my home. I've got nowhere else to go. I don't want to be a refugee in Poland or elsewhere. So I think time will tell because it's a very fluid situation. Yeah. But Ukraine are very valiant and um, courageous people and they will very much stand until the final breath. Yeah. Is there is there any part of Ukraine that is being spared? Or is it the entire Ukraine that is being bombarded left, right and centre? No, I think in the West there are there are areas that haven't been hit or anything like that yet. Yeah. But there is obviously the constant risk because uh, Russia are targeting key locations. Like, for example, in Lviv in the West, there's been lots of air raid sirens and that's about 50, less than 50 kilometers from the Polish border. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of... Um, that's the kind of things that Ukrainians will have to deal with for the time being. And and, and that's the issue. It's like, yeah, so people in Lviv, for example, uh, they've been dealing with air, air raid sirens and that kind of thing. So it's potential um, that no corner of Ukraine will be spared in the long run. But for the time being, it's just, I think, the bigger cities that have got some sort of crucial infrastructure that Putin is trying to target. Great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, at this difficult time, all we can say is, is um, sending you love and light and thoughts and prayers to you and your family. I know you are in the UK, but, you know, hopefully yeah. we'll cross this end shortly and then we can all live in peace. Thank you very much, Gary L. Smith. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. It's a free kick right now. Going to have a Kamasia Santagor. Can this go from here, though? Patrick Asma. The noise is loud. Can this be the opportunity for Kamasia Santagor to go? If it scores, it will be interesting. Asma hits that long and it's going above the post, surely. And it wasn't good enough for the advertisement before, was it? Should be the final action. Yeah, man, perhaps. We're very close to that because we need four minutes landed on time. Okay. And referee, Russell, calls for the end of the game. The first installment of the Supercross ends with no goals. But we've seen some very, very good performances, that's to be said. The second round of the Ghana Premier League is upon us with so much at stake as 18 clubs indulge in a 17-game marathon to decide the winner of this season's Ghana Premier League. Asante Kotoko top the charts after the first round and we'll be looking to do same. But defending champions Accra Hartsville, who lie in seventh, 12 points behind, are seeking a massive turnaround. 
big games to come then. Before that, let's focus on the key issues ahead of the second round. My colleague Kweku Lawrence joins me with some perspective. Well, thanks, Lawrence, for a time on the show. Asante Kotoko flying without a doubt, but many have judged the defense as the weakest link in their team. Uh, can they improve that? George, after the first round of games in the Ghana Premier League, I don't think someone will complain so much about Kotoko's defense. Yeah, in the sense that the team has considered 10 goals after 17 games and then they've managed 10 clean sheets. At some point, they even lost their first choice goalkeeper in Razak Abalora, but then they had Dan Lard to rely on. And then the defense has, has protected the young goalkeeper and then he's also put out some impressive performances. So I don't think the defense has, has had too much a problem in, in, in Kotoko's game. But then there's one issue that Prosper Nathan will have to address because he realized that Kotoko's defense has considered so many open play chances. For a team looking to win a league title, that shouldn't be happening. Against Accra as of at Accra Sports Stadium, you realize that they were cut open on numerous occasions. But for Accra as of folks' lack of effectiveness, they would have gotten all three points against Kotoko. That aspect of their game is what Prosper needs to pay attention to in the second round of the season because if, if they continue to play like that you have teams who are likely to pounce and then who are likely to take their chances and that could hurt Kotoko's charge for a league title they need to solidify their defense they need to play well compactively they need to turn up on occasions where people have not regarded them that much I feel Ganiu has, has a lot of experiences played in the team for quite some years now so he should be able to command the defense well and going into the second half if all things are done rightly Kotoko should be winning the league way ahead of time with some games to spare. Lawrence, defending champions, Accra Hearts of Oak are definitely ailing, failing. Uh, they were impressive against the leaders, Asante Kotoko, but the table tells a different story. It appears goal scoring is their problem. Do you see that improving in the second round? You know, George, watching the game between Accra Hearts of Oak and Kumasi Asante Kotoko, I feel that is what some, sums up Accra Hearts of Oak's prob- uh, problem in the first half of the season. Goal scoring. Yes, goal scoring has been a major problem for, for some Obedus men. It has been his, his headache this season. Going into the season, uh, they, brought, they brought Kofi Koji and then we were all expecting him to fire the team to, put, uh, to maintain or to, to fire the team and then ensure that they keep the league title. But then after 17 games, they are far from doing that. Has find themselves 7th on the league table, hoping 12 points behind the league leaders. Their problems has been taking their chances when presented them. Because you have a forward line of Daniel Efriye Banye, who was instrumental in, in their winning the league last season. You have Kojo Obin Jr., who has just returned from injury. You have Koji adding to that. You expect, you expect that they hit the ground running and then they find the back of the net easily. But that hasn't been the case. They have struggled and then at some point... It, they needed to rely on just one person getting them the essential points. That was because in the early part of the season. In the in the last 10 games, we, we were not seeing the consistency from Hustle Folk. Although, yes, they didn't start the season well. I, I, will, I will leave that to, to the fact that they had to be eliminated from the Cup Champions League and then Confederation Cup. You know, it plays a psychological role in how you bounce back. There's still a long way to go. They have 16 matches more to go. Samobuidu needs to psych his, his players. He needs to get them playing as a team. Thank you very much, Lawrence. 
more of the Ghana Premier League. And we know Ghana International Samuel Linkum is open to a return to the Ghana Premier League after a decade plying his trade in Europe. Now, the right back made 26 appearances and scored seven goals for Asante Kotoko between 2008 and 2009. Inkum, who is now a free agent, has been speaking to my colleague Nathaniel Lato. Why not? As soon as I'm playing at the moment, uh, because I believe that every coach has his own philosophy how he wants to play. So if a, a new coach came, I was, I was out of the national team for almost like uh, um, four years, five years. And Avram Grant came, he called me back. So I was with the team 2015 and I, was, I have an injury and I have to go back where I came from. So if, it, if a coach comes now and says, oh, I, like, I want to play like this. So I can, I can see that uh, you, are the, you are the player that I need. One, I will never turn back off my country as soon as I'm playing. If I'm, if I'm done, then that's fine. And what does the body tell you? Um, I mean, how many more years do you feel you have in the game? At the, at the, at the moment, I'm 32 years old and uh, I have a lot to, to offer. If, that's why I'm saying that football is all about how you take care of yourself. If now Cristiano Ronaldo is playing, Messi is playing now, a lot of uh, players that, uh, um, if I'm not wrong, Abraham uh, um, um, which is playing now, yeah. it tells you how... Ibrahimovic, Zlatan yes, yeah. It tells you how, if you stay focused, if you take good care of yourself, you can still move. And uh, for me, I just finished, like I said, I just, it's last month I finished my contract. So, so I know myself and I know that uh, if I don't retire from football, if I'm not retiring from football, if any one of the coaches call me, why not? I'll come back. So Samuel Inkum to the Ghana Premier League, that show will be a very interesting one. But I'd like to just wrap up on the note of others who've been there and uh, the kind of buzz that you want to see if the likes of you, we have multiples of the likes of you, uh, come back home to mm. play in the league. Um, I think that um, Sule being on board, um, Look at that game that they played yesterday. I think if I'm not wrong, Has versus Kotoko. Has against Kotoko. If I'm not wrong, a lot of a lot of attention came to the league itself. So it's telling you that uh, some of us, when we come back, the league will grow and grow very well. Yeah. And we coming also is not going to be. I heard I, I heard that uh, they said players coming from Europe when they come they cannot play. It depends about the player, and he he, uh, he depends what the player is coming to do in the league. Sule have done it all. Asamojan have done it all. Awako is there; he's still proving. So he's telling them that he can play. So if a foreigner can come and play, why not the person who started from Ghana? So I think that uh, we coming also we said uh, excel the league itself. And also bring a lot of sponsorship in board. Mm. on board. Great stuff there. And with Samuel Inkum, uh, he says that he is ready to zoom in on the Ghana Premier League. Which jersey would he wear? Well, from the Phobian perspective, you'd want to see the rainbow colors. From the Kotoko perspective, you'd want to see that Kumapim jersey. Well, Accra Great Olympics, Breakum Chelsea. Which one? Well, would live to see. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, the likes of uh, Samuel Inkum and many others join the Ghana Premier League. Thanks so much for watching. Remember, 
There are always big conversations to bring you. Samuel, thank you so, so much. It's always uh, great to see you. No, and uh, he's always looking stylish and uh, smooth as well. Like I said earlier on, I'm learning from you. And uh, I also want to use this opportunity to sure. thank you so much, whatever mm. you are doing. You are helping Ghanaian football. It's not even the football in general. Mm. A lot of stuff that you are doing for me is very good. Please sure. keep it up. Thank Let you. them know that uh, Ghanaians, we have something better in this country. So that was Samuel Inkum speaking there to my colleague Nathaniel Lato. Thank you very much, Nat. So now let's get ourselves ready for the second round. And there are great games to come uh, this weekend. Of course, my colleague Harina Mubarak has got a wrap. 12 points are drifts of leaders at San Sikotoko. After the first round, it's definitely not something hearts of folk anticipated at the start of the season. But that is the reality. And they have some catching up to do by racking up consecutive wins if they are to defend their title. The Phobians take on Legon Cities in a regional derby at Accra Sports Stadium, a side they failed to beat in the first leg as it ended goalless. The team full of smiles at the moment is Asante Kotoko, who has seven points clear at the top. The Porcupines face off with Dreams FC at the Babayara Stadium with a chance of stretching their lead at the summit, which, however, depends on what happens in the match between second-placed Bechem United and Mediama Sporting Club in Takwa. Great Olympics are gradually recapturing their form of last season after winning three of their last five matches. They host Real Tamale United at Accra Sports Stadium. Two-time champions Ediana Stars will also be at home against Karela United. Former champions Ashanti Gold, who have had an uninspiring campaign so far, welcome 11 Wonders. Brecum Chelsea play host to new boys with any gold stars at the Golden City Park. And bottom placed Elmina Sharks lock horns with Accra Lions at Endo Sports Complex. Thanks, Mubarak. And it's now time to talk about the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. I had a great chat with the BBC's John Bennett as always. Enjoy this. Thanks, John, for your time on the show. Always great to have you on. Let's start with uh, the tensions between Ukraine and Russia. Putin yesterday took military action against Ukraine despite loud warnings from uh, the US and NATO and Western countries. Now, in all the tensions between the countries and uh, Russia's attack yesterday, football has been drawn into it mainly because of this year's Champions League final. We have the hint that uh, UEFA has decided to move the final away from St. Petersburg. But the remaining question is... What kind of implications will this have for Chelsea's Russian owner, Roman Abramovich? Hi, George. Really nice to speak to you again. Uh, yes, it, it feels strange, doesn't it, talking about football, talking about, talking about sport at a time like this when we see all the pictures coming in from Ukraine. Uh, of course, sport takes a, takes a back seat, quite rightly, at a time like this. But the, the, the events do have implications for the world of sport and the world of football. Uh, Roman Abramovich, in terms of where that story is at at the moment, uh, a Labour MP in the UK, Labour of the opposition party in in the UK at the moment, Uh, he's called Chris Bryant. He has said that the government should seize the assets of Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich. Uh, A spokesperson for Mr Abramovich has declined to comment. And in terms of the, the Champions League final, yes, that won't take place in St Petersburg. The UEFA Executive Committee met on Friday morning to discuss the various issues surrounding the uh, terrible situation in Ukraine. That was at the top of their agenda and the final won't be taking place in St. Petersburg now. There will be a different venue. 
John, let's stick with the Champions League. The first set of a round of 16 games have been played with some interesting results. All English clubs by Manchester United won their games while keeping a clean sheet. However, the Red Devils look favourites to qualify uh, to the quarterfinals of Atletico Madrid. Which of the 16 teams impressed you the most and uh, which failed to flutter? Well, I thought Chelsea were very impressive in their 2-0 win over Lille. Uh, we know that was a fantastic draw for them. Let's be honest, and Lille aren't the team that they were last season when they won the Ligue 1 title in France. They had a lot of financial problems. Christophe Galtier, their head coach, left. They lost a number of their key players, and I think they're down in 11th at the moment in Liga. so they're not the team they were last season. So that was a very comfortable draw for Chelsea. But still, I thought it was an impressive performance. Could have been a lot more than 2-0. Lovely warm-up for the EFL Cup final at the weekend. Let's see if Romelu Lukaku starts. That will be the big talking point, won't it? In terms of Manchester United, I thought they were really poor against Atletico Madrid. And listening to Ralph Rangnick after the game, he looked pretty shocked by how bad they were, particularly in the first half. But Anthony Langer has been one of his success stories. You know, he's talked about the fact when he arrived at United, he saw him in a training session, was so impressed, watched YouTube videos of him. And, um, you know, he's really kick-started Anthony Langer's career. Um, and it was a brilliant finish. Some people said it was a scuff finish. Scuffed finish, George. I don't think it was. I think it was a really good finish. And in the end, I think United will be delighted to get a 1-1 draw in Madrid because they, they were poor for the first half, poor for 60 minutes, really. But they're still well in this tie and they'll, they'll feel that they can go through with a win at Old Trafford. John, Tottenham were really Spursy in midweek, weren't they? Uh, after claiming an incredible victory over the league leaders in Manchester City, Spurs went on to lose to relegation-threatened Burnley. Of course, manager Antonio Conte, who was only recently hired after Spurs got rid of Nuno, has cast his own future at the club in doubt, indicating he's open to leaving. What are the financial implications of Daniel Levy getting rid of Conte, and is it likely to happen? Well, he's a very emotional character, isn't he, Antonio Conte? And he admits himself he's very honest, sometimes too honest for his own good. But, um, yeah, he wore his heart on his sleeve, and he, and he basically said what he felt. He was so, so disgusted with the, the team's performance, disgusted with the job he's done, it seemed, as well. He seemed like he was saying he might not be the right man to take Tottenham forward. I can't see Daniel Levy sacking Antonio Conte. I think he's made a good impression since coming in. Yes, the recent results have been poor, four defeats in the last five games. The, the question is, and it's always the question with Antonio Conte, will he be given the funds at the end of the season to improve this squad? Because he did a brilliant job with the Italian national team when they had a weak team on paper. So he's proved that as a coach, he can improve players and set, set a team up in a way to play beyond the talent in the team. But when it comes to club football, at Juventus, at Inter, at Chelsea, he's always had big money to spend. So he will feel he needs big money to spend in the European summer to improve the squad. And it all comes down to whether he will get that from Daniel Levy. That's still a big question mark. John Liverpool put on an A-star performance in midweek. With, we'll come to Liverpool in a bit, but Mohamed Salah has surpassed Premier League legend Didier Drogba's record for the most goals scored by an African. And the Egyptian did that in 72 fewer games, John. Question is, with Salah's recent feats plus his overall record at Liverpool, how would you rate the two players in your all-time Premier League lists? Oh, they're right up there. They are right up there. Um, to be honest, um, someone asked me for, for something we're doing at the BBC for my top 10 this week, actually, African players who've played in the Premier League. I won't reveal my list, uh, but, uh, but it, was, it was tough. And, you know, Salah and Mane right up there in the top five, right up there. 
Um, and yeah, I, I tweeted about this, and it got a big response about Mane overtaking Didier Drogba. And you know, I think many people took it that I was saying that you know it was a comment about Didier Drogba. It wasn't at all. Didier Drogba for me, and I, I still think this is the best ever African player who's played in the Premier League. I stress in the Premier League. I know you know Samuel Eto and George Weah played in the Premier League as well. But when they played in the Premier League, they weren't at their peak. Their, their peak years were in for, for George Weah in France and Italy, for Samuel Eto in Spain. That's where he really reached his peak. But for Didier Drogba, his peak was in the Premier League years. And I still think he is the, the best African player who's played in the Premier League. But Salah and Mane are, are close. The way they play, their consistency... What a duo. I, I, I hope they stay in the Premier League for a long, long time. John, we have a big one on Sunday. Chelsea versus Liverpool in the League Cup final. Liverpool in top form. Chelsea may touch with the last season's Champions League winning form in midweek. Kai Havertz dropping record signing. Lukaku to the bench in stellar fashion. Questions have been raised. John, if you were Thomas Tuchel, who will you start up top for Chelsea? Well, it would be a massive statement if Lukaku leaves out Romelu Lukaku for the EFL Cup final. You can never guess Thomas Tuchel. If I were him, I would probably, I, I would probably leave him on the bench. The way that Chelsea played in midweek, I think. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC that Kai Havertz can cause a lot of problems for that Liverpool defence, playing in that kind of false nine position that he plays in. I'm not sure that Chelsea are playing to Romelu Lukaku's strengths. He's, he, he's been criticised a lot, hasn't he, Romelu Lukaku? I'll defend, him, I'll defend him here because I think his success at Inter Milan, and he's talked about this, it was built around his fitness. Antonio Conte got him so fit for the season. And he's had, had a difficult season fitness-wise, Romelu Lukaku. Most of it not his own fault. He only had one week of pre-season, I think, with Chelsea. Then he was out for six weeks. Then he had COVID. It's been a difficult time for him to, to try and get that consistency in his fitness. So I will defend Romelu Lukaku a little bit. He has to admit, though, his form has been poor. It's a massive decision for Thomas Tuchel to take at the weekend, whether to start him or not. He's still a great striker. He can still cause problems for that Liverpool backline. But I wonder if... You know, Kai Havertz 
is in is in brilliant form at the moment. He's got a lot of confidence after the, the winning goal in the Club World Cup final. Good performance again in the Champions League in midweek. I wonder if you just stick with that team. But you can never guess Thomas Tuchel, as you know, George, as a big Chelsea fan. So, John, which game? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.